Alvin Lee, a 10 years after, can't almost never give him enough credit for those prophetic lyrics so many decades ago when some of you weren't even a twinkle in your daddy's eye yet, you know. Uh, very prophetic. Started off like that, our little two-hour get-together here. Got some guys in the forum already on the Jitsi platform, and uh, it's Roger Sales, obviously, the Radio Ranch, the label of our little daily two-hour get-together here to discuss high-level intellectual ideas and concepts. And then, of course, we're doing it on the People's Patriot Network as our base platform. Hey, guys, welcome. Today's edition is the October 8th edition. It's a Thursday. Wevis, Wevis in Spanish, and uh, onward we go. Uh, I'm excited about what came up yesterday right at the tail end of the program. Alan's with us. We're having just a little chewing the fat conversation on it before we hooked up to the server, but it was been on my mind since yesterday, and the show ended, Alan, and I want to thank you publicly for being, you know, the eyes and ears. See, you get enough folks out here that know what's going, and you guys in your own daily uh, activities and intrigues and whatever motivates you to look down what little rabbit hole and Alan came up with a really important find on the State Department website yesterday and I, I was thanking him uh, because stuff like that is just a lot of verification for us but in thinking about it between the end of the show yesterday I wanted to show you the deceptiveness of these bastards now Alan found for those of you who might not hear it, a, a, a little side page on the State Department website that is manual, and I've often, I've known for many years since I've been doing this that this code was relevant and identified kind of what it was, but I never had the verification like Alan brought us, so it's exciting to me, it's exciting to other folks that still have questions about the validity of this, it's just further confirmation, um, but I wanted to take the example as a teaching example and show you how these bastards work. Okay, because many of you would not catch this. Alan's on with us. Alan, in the manual there, as you read it, and we're talking about a code. I have not seen it on the passport itself, but I do know they put it on the passport card, or at least they used to. Okay, and it's 09, and one of the early guys that went through this from South Florida picked it up years ago, and we contemplated it, discussed it, theorized that that's what it was. But when Alan found it in the manual yesterday, and Alan, I'm just going to go ahead and talk for a second and ask for your confirmation on something in a second. It said an 09 code either signifies a U.S. citizen or a citizen of the United States, probably is the way it's put, uh, and a non-citizen national. Isn't that right? Yes, it, it says U.S. Uh, national, U, U period, S period, national, and not a uh, U.S. citizen. Okay, well, that's the non-citizen national, right? Uh, he's, he's a national, but he's not a citizen. That's the niche position that they put the American Samoans in, Okay. They're a territory. 
their territory from the turn of last century and they're unincorporated and there's the american samoa and another little saint kitts island i think which had 32 people on it in the last census okay and the ostensible reason for doing that was to preserve their culture because our benefactors are so intent on preserving cultures if you haven't noticed and so it's the only territory in the entire system that's like this as i've said so many times because i found it in my own research over the years anytime you find an exclusion like that you want to look into it anytime you find something that's the only one of you want to look into it, okay? And in this one, what they've done is they've hidden the old state citizen because it's got the same basic rights as their culture, God-given rights, etc. cetera, uh, tribal in American Samoa. If you don't know this, the way their whole society works is on who owns the land. So they have automatic alloidal title to land. Who's, who's juggling their keys? Okay, so they've got natural, these God-given rights, and what they did was just hide the state citizen behind them, and they call one of them non-citizen, and they leave the other one standalone. Now, all of that, if you go to your passport and open up the passport book on the first page, there's a statement, and it says a pass, U.S. passport is only issued to U.S. citizens and U.S. nationals. It doesn't say non-citizen nationals in the passport, but they've got it identified as that in the passport application. So it's the U.S. national in the back, the non-citizen national in the front, and they take in and out that non-citizen identifier and use it in different places to make sure you don't understand what the hell's going on. So anyway, I was thinking about that a lot last night and this morning a bit. I, I think that's real good information. And uh, it just goes, if you're really looking for that additional confirmation, it helps people with that, I suppose. I thought it was very interesting, and it's nice that we continue to pick their little plan apart with their own documents. And that's importante. Morning, Chris. How you doing? It is a great and fabulous day and much going on. Uh, Derek Chauvin, the shooter uh, with a knee on uh, George Floyd, is out on a million-dollar bail. Yeah, I saw that headline last night. Good for him. Uh, and uh, in all the George Floyd talk you keep here, and I never hear anybody say that he had, oh, the guy killed him. He, never, he had enough fentanyl in him to kill a damn horse, if not a herd. Three times. Okay. <laughs> a small herd of horses it could have killed, but... Hey, there you go, a little light pressure on the, you know, you, he had so much pressure on the guy's neck with his knee that he had his hand in his pocket. That's how much pressure he had in there. Okay, so anyway, enough of that fabricated bullshit. Well, we saw a bit of that last night on the debate. Did y'all watch the debate last night? No. Really? Well, you know, I suffered through it, actually, and I, I was sitting there as I'm, I'm getting ready to watch it, and I'm going, when was the last time that I ever in my entire lifetime watched a vice presidential debate? <laughs> and damned, I couldn't come up with a time. <laughs> so even at my old age, it's kind of a first. I watched it primarily to watch her. 
because this is a man listen this is hillary jr let's face it on steroids i mean gee and she's really married to a real jew a guy that works for a law firm you know you know her husband's background chris I've heard just a little bit about it, but uh, he's obviously a very deep one, Goldstein or something, isn't it? Well, he's a Jew boy. He's from San Francisco. They met on a blind date, and he's a partner in a law firm, just recently a partner, 2017, I think, an international law firm, uh, no doubt with all of his synagogue buddies, and it deals uh, uh, mainly with, guess who? Uh, immigrants. How about China? Oh, what a surprise. Uh, oh, yeah. Some no, but, there's but, a song called Matchmaker, Matchmaker. I wonder if one of those intervened. Fiddler on the Roof, I think. Uh, listen, don't be concerned, though, and don't be alarmed, because uh, uh, I know this will put you at ease. He's recused himself from the law firm while, while the election's going on, so I'm sure you're relieved. Morning, Harvey. Wait a minute. That's the same thing that Joe Biden said on that uh, Riding the Dragon thing. says, uh, Never mind my son being involved. Though. There's nothing to see there. Just move on. And right. Just get over it. And <laughs> oh, listen, we should promote that. I know we did when I saw it a, a few weeks back. Go on YouTube there if they hadn't pulled it already. And if you haven't seen this production, it's called Riding the Dragon. It was Still up it, this morning. It's a, it's a really well-done professional uh, presentation. It's about what, Chris, 25 minutes long? Something like that. Uh, not It doesn't matter. It's worth watching, however the length is. But it's got some real in-depth information, and it's done by um, uh, Blaze TV. Uh, uh, the Mormon Glenn Bunch, Beck and Associates yeah, over there. Out there in Utah. And uh, what I thought was really cool about that presentation is the way they laid it out. And in every time they put an important peg, either Biden or whatever, or some company, and they connect they put pin pin uh, push pins into a board and then he'd connect the push pins with a different colored twine and so at the end you get this well it looks like a, a, a con, you know one of these modern artists that get up and sell that for thousands of dollars but it's this board with all these push pins in it with all these different colored strings and it shows you the intricacies of this if you miss it ooh, you you won't see much uh, That's but, the starting at the center and work out the hub and spoke method. It, well, whatever it is, it's quite effective in viewing, I can promise you. So that should be promoted to you that might not have seen it yet. Uh, by, as, a, as a transition from that, I noticed this morning's headlines. You know, it's the funniest thing with all that report in the Senate on this last week and all that. The FBI won't release any of their stuff on it. That's a headline in Zero Hedge this morning. The FBI just gets further and further exposed for how dirty they are and what they've done. And unfortunately, it's just part of it. All the way back to one of the things that happened when I first got into this shooting match in 92, I believe. Harvey, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't there a sniper named Lon Horiuchi who shot a woman's head off holding her baby out there in Idaho? I don't think he... I don't. I don't know that he shot her in the head, but he did uh, mm-hmm. shoot her in that uh, Ruby Ridge uh, standoff. You know, yeah. they said it was the, the Vicky Weaver compound up there. Yeah, compound. It was. It was might as well have 
for for security purposes, it might as well have been a tent. Yeah. It was nothing but a shack, really. And, you know, that was happening just as I got into this. That got some people's attention into the movement. The free men after that got some attention. By the way, they consulted with John uh, when they were under siege up there, I found out later. Uh, And then we had, of course, uh, both of the Twin Tower things. But the first one where they had the bomb in the basement. And then shortly, right around that very same time, if I remember, was that little soiree out in uh, uh, Texas called Waco. And, you know, it's just one thing after another. And each one of these events brought people to er, to the movement early in those days. And then I remember Brent, I don't know if Brent was there. I think Harvey was there that night. We had a meeting, the first meeting we had of our Citizens for Constitutional Georgia outfit there at that Tudor Hotel, uh, the Castlegate Hotel. Um, And we had about 250 people there at the first meeting after the Murrah City Building. You remember that night, Harvey? It was the biggest meeting that I remembered we ever had. Uh, and what I remember distinctly about it was we filled that room. There's five, 250, 300 people there, I would think. And, but in the back, because of the significance of the event, every news station in a top 10 market, Atlanta, was there to cover the event. And I remember because I was assistant, uh, whatever, of the outfit, and I got up and gave a little talk on false flags and the history of false flags. And as I was standing on the podium and looking in the back of the room, you could see all those different, you know, you feel like Trump with all the press out there, right? Well, there's four four or five different camera setups out there. And one of them was the, the three local TV networks were covered. I think maybe GST was there, Harvey. But over on yeah. the left, close to the wall, was this other outfit with just absolutely brand new, spanking brand new clean equipment, top of the art. And they were over there. They didn't have any identifiers or anything else. We never went up and asked them who they were that night, but I noticed them, and and they stuck out like a sore thumb, actually. And there's no telling who was there filming that night, too. But that was a spirited meeting, another false flag deal. And uh, every time one of these things happened, there's no telling who who it was, okay? But uh, uh, it was somebody on their side. And so they've been aware of me for a long time. Um, I remember in those early days and we were just doing IRS stuff mostly. And there was a gal and her husband, the girl that owned the blood lab. I can't think of her name and her Canadian boyfriend, uh, uh Harvey. I don't know if you remember her. She was a real bulldog kind of chick. No. And she wanted to fight the, she had a blood lab up there on 85 around Druid Hills. And, uh, she got into a big fight with them, and they started screwing with her credit over at Equifax. And so she went in and sued Equifax, which is the big – Equifax, one of the three, four big credit operations there, and it's right in the downtown Atlanta where 75 and 85 split. Used to be anyway. Yeah. And, so, and so they get her in – she gets them in that situation, and we get into depositions. And so – when you got depositions, both sides get a shot, right? And so they get they get her in there on the deposition. What do you think the first question is they ask her? Don't know. Are you a resident? 
Does Roger Sales write your letters? Oh, no. First question they ask her in her deposition. And now she, being who she was, got all offended. <laughs> and gets, I'll have you know I write my own letters. <laughs> true, true story, okay? So, uh, anyway... Uh, all those false flag events and all that stuff that's happened, and we've gained a little knowledge all the way along the way. And what's really helped me to understand it the way I do is these programs. And every time I'm able to get into these discussions with people that don't understand or trying to reemphasize something, and I'm constantly finding new little angles that I never uncovered or thought about before. And that's why I stress so much to all of you. It's not an event. It's a process. And if you're like me, and it's what's been happening for almost 30 years for me, you'll, we'll all be going through it together the rest of our lives. That's how damn good a job they've done with this. Mm. You know, you kind of glossed over something there, Roger, that I think uh, really deserves some attention. And that is the FBI has obviously been a hyper-politicized, uh, actually, it's probably been weaponized. And whenever you understand they have a deep bench, I mean a deep bench, uh, probably 400, 1,200, 2,500 of the secret senior executive services, the SS here in America, in the DOJ, that's the deep, dark state, the swamp, behind the government that pulls the strings and all the agencies, all the and including the FBI. And you hit the key nail on the head right there with the word agencies because that's what they've built up to do this since March the 9th of 33. Before that date, there were no agencies. Boy. This is the French Revolution when they took over France and cut all those people's heads off and started controlling the country. They put in an administrative state. In fact, they identified themselves. I've said this before. See if any of you remember. Do you know how they recognized the bureaucrats after the French Revolution? The Whigs? No. Their death. Their desks. Their oh. desks were covered with burlap. In French, burlap is called bureau. Burl, yeah. Okay. So that was the origin of bureaucrat. bureaucrat. The term. Because they had these bureaus for desks. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly right. Good etymology, Roger. I came from John. I, John told us that in the seminars. I just thought it was so striking. I always remembered it. Yeah, burl was a rough cloth that they'd put over those desks, those bureaus. And uh, I thought you meant how could you identify them walking around uh, the streets or something. Uh, but you probably couldn't. Too. You probably couldn't or they'd have killed them for the crap they were pulling. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, well, let's do, let's go take an, and segue on bureaucrat with you, Harvey, and find out if there's been any movement since on your situation. Have you gone and tried to file that thing at the property records office? No, I haven't gone down yet. I uh, I'll probably uh, go down Friday. Okay. Tomorrow. 
and see if we can get that done. I've I've just got so many doggone things around here. I've got yeah. to get done. Where now? Yeah. Where's what's the county seat in Whitfield County? Is it Rome or Ringgold? No, 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 neither. Uh, neither. Dalton. Dalton. Okay. Now Dalton, you know, you mentioned yesterday, and I'm going to make another remark that I was in a rural county, and that's really not true. Dalton, I mean, it, it it's true that it's not Atlanta, and you don't have this uh, dedicated uh, newspaper for legal uh, advertisements, legal notices, and legal news. Um, what is? Do you remember the name of the? legal organ in atlanta no i don't but they do but they do have one oh yeah and so uh but up here in the dalton area uh whitfield county this is a highly industrialized area boy is it i i mean it is there's a fellow that i know that has business manufacturing parts for import primarily not exclusively but primarily for uh, replacement parts for imported machinery and that would include in very large measure german machines and often the parts have design flaws or they are made with inferior materials, inferior, not inferior compared to someone else, but inferior compared to the task with which they are, uh, that they're designed to do. And probably mostly made in China. Um, maybe. When you get to this industrial machinery, see, Dalton is the largest, as they say, it's the carpet capital of the world. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, if you've got carpet, it probably came from Dalton. And uh, also now that carpet has become less popular, Dalton is also uh, a huge uh, manufacturer of flooring pre-finished okay. flooring uh-huh. laminated flooring synthetic floor you name it all that but this guy here uh manufactures uh replacement parts and their engineers redesign the parts uh re- you know choose the proper material for the task they deliver them uh, much, much faster than uh, the original manufacturer would do, and they do it all at a lower price. Now, a few years back, they had machinery that was uh, capable of producing parts, machining things, accurate to 12 millionths of an inch. Uh, oh, by now they've probably upgraded and gone to 11 millions, huh? Well, anyhow, that's my little joke for the morning. Um, 
but it's really big time. Now, the, here's something else that's even funnier, and I think I'll send you a copy of the photograph I took of it. The guy that owns that business either owns or rents uh, a, a billboard that sits up uh, very high right above uh, or right alongside I-75 on the southbound side. So it's going from Chattanooga down toward Atlanta. And the sign says, uh, every knee will bow and declare, and then in huge letters, Jesus is Lord. And then right below that, it says, even the Democrats. <laughs> yes, sir. Right there on I-75. And uh, Charlie and I stopped by there a while back. Because I said, Charlie, we were going somewhere. I said, look, we're close to uh, uh, Jim's place. I said, I want to go over there and get a picture of that billboard. And he said, okay. So we went over there and got on the access road and took some pictures. And he said, well, I'm going to go in and see if he's there. Let's go in and talk to him because he, he knows him. Uh, I didn't know him at the time. And we went in and the door was, was uh, locked solid. And they had a little intercom system. And, you know, who is in, in it? We we identified ourselves and the receptionist pressed the button and we went in. She said that they had to put that lock in because Muslims came in complaining about the billboard and they were just irrational. Uh, so, so, well, we'll just put a lock on the door. We don't want them strolling in here. Uh, and they got I, rem I remember in Dalton when I was when it was really cooking 20 25 30 years ago it was also yeah. one of the centers in the country for illegal immigrants because they were chock full of those Mexican workers up there yeah and also the there's another big thing in North Georgia are all the chicken farms and this that and the other and a bunch of them work there too so interesting stuff. yeah that's that's over to the northeast of the state uh, yep. in Gainesville, primarily. Yep, that's yep. where the chicken industry flourished. It's really the slaughter, the slaughter slaughterhouses. You know, when I was in the record business, there was right up there north of Atlanta uh, is Lake Lanier, which has right. got more shoreline than any other lake in the engineered lake in the country, I believe, all the little nooks and crannies when they filled it. And I used there's a, a, a an entertainment center up there called Lanier Land. You ever been up yeah. there, Alan? You know about Lanier Land? I'm sure it's still cooking up there. And um, they have a lot of country-oriented stuff. And when I was with Mercury, they had a fabulous country roster. Uh, when I first got in the industry, and I didn't have a whole lot of attachment to country music at that young age, I knew about it. My dad 
was and had played a lot of the classics for me when I was younger. But when I got into it, they had, and I can just off the top of my head, Tom, the, Tom T. Hall, Johnny Rodriguez, the Statler brothers. Uh, I worked with Reba McIntyre, who's a tremendous artist in that field today when she was 18 years old and used to travel with her mother. Uh, all these, all these great country bands, you know, and, uh, so we'd have a lot of activity up there at Lanierland. And so after the show, the guy that owned it, his family, and I don't remember his name, um, Harvey, but his best buddy was one of the Woodruff kids, okay? And uh, they, they're the ones that founded Coca-Cola. And so um, after the show, we'd go over, and he had gotten a barge, an old barge up there, maybe 60, 70 feet long, and had it totally converted into a houseboat. It was several stories and spiral staircases and all, and then they'd have a party after the show's over there. And this guy's family made all their money in rendering. Now, does anybody know what rendering is? That's uh, turning animal products into... Fats? Other products. <laughs> they they take all when they do the chicken process, and this is the business Tom Schramm works in, because he's in that polymer defomer stuff, and it's real big in this chicken processing stuff because oh. of the bubbles it makes. And so what they do in rendering is as they process the chicken, they take all the excess parts they don't use and go back and cook them and turn them into pellets and feed them to the new chickens. Oh boy. That's been going on for a long time, but rendering and all kinds of animal processing too, I've come to find out, but that's what it is. And that's where they made all their money. And we'd go up there and hang out with the Statler brothers and, you know, Don, uh, I, the, the, the Tulsa time guy. Uh, anyway, we had a nice time, a lot of good memories from those days, but that happened right up above Atlanta. Wow. Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, I remember when they were filling Lake Lanier, and that was in the fifties. That was quite, quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole TVA system's all rampant up through that part of the country. Let me just see, and we're getting off on all this stuff. Is there anything really pertinent, important that we need to uh, touch on? As for any unanswered questions or observations or directions anybody'd like us to go, that's real productive. Well, I thought it was uh, sort of interesting, the uh, debate last night. I didn't see the whole thing, but what I did was just it was just like the presidential debate in that uh, Kamala, uh, whatever her name is, Kamala, 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 whoever, Harris. Comrade. Yeah, Comrade Harris just kept repeating lies and lies and lies that have been uh, obviously uh, disproven in uh, the public uh, record like Trump only paid $750 in taxes. Right. And she repeated that and I, I don't know. But, well, there but, was a bunch. You know, what really stuck out was Pence's experience on the debate 
stage. And, and the way it was interesting to me that he kept pushing the envelope after his time was up. And he just, yeah, okay, that's enough time. Well, okay, no, 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 that's enough. Da, 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 that's enough. And one time I think she said it four or five times. And he just oh, kept yeah. on talking, pressing the envelope, you know, making his point. But I heard this morning that actually for the people that did time each one of them, that Kamala Harris got a minute more than he did last night. So uh, one thing that popped across my screen yesterday, and without belaboring the debates, I guess we could, let me just add a couple of items to that. Evidently this morning, Biden doesn't want to do another live debate, and he wants to do a Zoom debate, basically. And Trump says, now nah, we ain't doing that. He's going to go hold a rally somewhere. So the state of next Wednesday's uh, soiree may be on hold. We'll see. Um, one of the things that came across my desk was something we've discussed here a bit in the past a few months ago is all the lawlessness was going on. Chris, I remember distinctly that you and I talked about this. It's an organization called Thousand Currents. Oh, great, Scott. You know, remember uh, that, Chris? Keep going. Thousand Currents. It was. Uh, it, it's the funnel at the head of the funnel of all of the donations by all the corporate and other entities involved here in the background, shadowy, uh, that are funneled to Black Lives Matter. But it's the financing arm. It's called a Thousand Currents. They changed the name. I've got an article here on it. I'm going to post it at the end of today's show description. But I'm going to give this caveat. I have not had an idea, uh, uh, a chance to read it all yet. And uh, is that uh, known as Act Blue now? Perhaps uh, it was formerly IDEX, and the roots of Thousand Currents. Harvey, take a wild ass guess. The roots of this company that I'm trying to break down its history on. I think it was tied to the Clintons. How about the Peace Corps? Oh, yeah, 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 yes, 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 okay. that's right. Now, the origins are innocent, okay? And what happened was this guy was in Thailand in the Peace Corps, and he was in some little village, and they were trying to get some kind of water uh, situation up to, to benefit the village. And they didn't have the money and the budget, even though it wasn't going to cost a whole lot of money. And so he had gone to college with some guys that had gotten into finance on wall street. And he called them up and said, can we get a little donation or something going and see if we can accomplish this project? And they did it. And then they took that idea and started duplicating it in different circumstances and when he got out of the peace corps in 1985 he founded that as a company in san francisco to help philanthropic genuine there are people out there that are genuine about this stuff you know they're not all fakes i don't think but people that are philanthropic and want to give money to help people like that or corporations that want to use it for publicity or write-offs or whatever the reasons may be and so that company existed from 1985 and it grew all the way up and then a few things have happened and it chained to idex and then all of a sudden they got this mystery donation that was 70% of all of the previous year's uh, donations, okay? It was 70% in one lump sum. Who do you think gave them that? 
and it switched a thousand currents and it's morphed into what it is now. Who you think gave him that little mystery donation? George Soros? No. How about Warren Buffett? How about Warren Buffett's son? That's Warren Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> Call it anything you want. And Gates uh, Gates piled in there and a couple of other ones, and they are off to the races, and it shows how this thing has been strategically planned, the organizational structure set up ahead of time, and they've been planning it for a while. You know, Roger, that's a, a very interesting point because that seems to be a observable pattern uh, within the DNC, particularly using the children – as a pipeline to either intake or outtake funds to influence improperly uh, elections and other activities that they want to promote. Well, they're certainly using them for a lot of the different diversified reasons, but what are they doing when they really use them publicly? Not privately. We know what that is, and we, you know, it's repulsive to even think about. But publicly, they're using them. They're using emotions because everybody's, generally everybody that's not totally cold-hearted has got emotions for children. Okay? I mean, what did Jesus say? You hurt the kids, I'm going to put a millstone around your neck, pal. Okay? And they use it because they use emotional-based stimulus to manipulate people and the masses. I often bring forth the story. I saw it when it happened live. It was back when Bill Clinton was running for his second term against old Bob Dole. Remember me, old Bob Dole? Old Bob Dole. War hero, false arm, all that kind of stuff. Didn't have a prayer from the start. Had less of a chance than Biden does today, probably. And uh, they have, at the first of the elections, that Iowa caucus thing. Remember? It's the first of the election season. And so Clinton, of course, won. And in his quote-unquote victory speech at the end, he got up and he made this statement with his little acting mask on. I've wanted to win the Iowa caucus since I was a little boy. And... Start crying. Remember that? Anybody remember oh, yeah. that? Well, you know, somebody did a little research, and he was 20-something years old when the Iowa caucus started. Okay? But you see what he yeah. was doing? He had all those soccer moms right in his hip pocket, all trying to get at his crotch, some of them. And so he's got him out. Oh, look, Ed, he's wanted to win that since he's a little boy. God, I got to vote for him. Come on, that's what they're doing. They use emotions. Press the buttons. Bam, 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 bam. Why do you think we're switching to feminism? Bam, 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 bam. They're controlled by emotions. Why do you think the women's suffrage got in there? And it's right in front of our faces. So, you know, that's why... Just the facts, ma'am. Remember Sergeant Joe Friday? Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. That's right. Remember, I loved Pence's. <laughs> and he used it two or three times last night. You know what I'm talking about? Kamala, no. Kamala, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Yeah. 
Yeah, actually, that that, that rejoinder has worn thin with me now. I mean, it was clever uh, a decade ago, but today it's it's hackneyed. Well, it kind of stopped her in her tracks. Yeah, good. Good. And I he he did it. he used it at least three times that I remember. So anyway, I need a new expression for that. Yeah, well, we'll come up with one. Uh, That's a particular legal stratagem got, and a point at law that he's making. I've got a, I've got a, a replacement for it, Harvey. Okay. I'm a U.S. national. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I mean, you know, here when this COVID thing started, DJ, one of our friends, and she had a a show on the network, still does, but she's taking a little respite to do some kind of deep fast thing. And so, uh, anyway, she'll be back. But DJ gets all, you know, kind of neurotic about the virus and the vaccine and all that. And she's writing me a, a little instant message. And go, oh, what about this forced vaccination? They're going to back us all up. They're going to put it in our rear ends. Oh, no, no. And I, she said, and I said, well, you don't, you're not subject to it. She said, do you have a script for that? And I wrote her back. I said, yeah, I'm a U.S. national. <laughs> You think you can memorize that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you that's know, your script. Do you re let me ask you, do you remember why the government was after, what's his name, Randy? Anyhow, out at, uh, out at uh, Ruby Ridge. What was that? Weaver. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I remember, remember why. All right, tell me. They set him up. The FBI went in. They were trying to get him to do the same thing they tried to get my buddy Pete down there that owned that big hunting preserve in Argentina. And he'd been kicked out of the country. When he refused to do it, they yanked his visa, and he was an Austrian. Okay? But they did try to do the same thing to Randy Weaver, which was get him to infiltrate groups and squeal on them. Tell him to be an informant inside, and they got the guy informant got Randy Weaver coerced him somehow into selling him a shot off, sawed off shotgun that was less than the legal limits. Yep, yeah, that was the key. See, that's what they did. And I was thinking earlier this morning, if he had been a U.S. national. He could have sawed that thing down to two inches if That's he right. wanted. That's right. They wouldn't have. They couldn't have come after him because they didn't have the charge to stick on him. Yep. See that? Uh, so I keep telling y'all, you we have no idea how powerful this is. You got in your hands. You could set up and manufacture your own firearms as long as you didn't incorporate. It seems to me you could just set up a machine shop. And manufacture whatever firearm you wanted. Well, and you sell may, it to anyone else that was a U.S. national. You may give given Daryl a new a new business plan. <laughs> well, that's all right. I've got somebody else that uh, has all the machinery. So, well, it just opens up, and now see, now they can't come after you. And people say, "Oh, yeah, they can." Well, no, they can't because they can't stand for that publicity to get in any kind of public setting. It's a reason you'll never see my name or my book or this program in any one of their demonization campaigns ever, 
because they want to call attention. They huh? don't want everybody. Well, let's see what this little radical white supremacist is saying. Boom. Huh? Yeah. And who who really where'd they really learn that lesson? Tom Perkins, the guy that wrote the uh book on the IMF. Okay? And their predatory practices because the State Department tried to stop him. I heard him tell the story on an interview. And they started putting websites up and stuff against him. You know what happened? His book sales went through the ceiling. Well, did he have to pay him a commission? I don't know. I don't know any of that. He's a pretty straight-ahead guy, Mr. Perkins. He still pops up occasionally. I mean, if they're advertising his book for him, did did he need to pay them a sales commission? <laughs> uh, every time, it's like I. This is the way I look at this for me, for my own personal gratification and satisfaction. Here, every time I know one of you guys sends one of those in, it's like I get part of that thirty five thousand they stole back. A big yeah, chunk, a big chunk. Yeah, okay. And I know that they're scared to death of this. There's somebody at the State Department that is monitoring how many of these they get, I promise you. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, you know what? See, I've watched, I tell this story maybe a couple of times. I don't know if you've heard it, Harvey, but it's pretty significant. And I've learned to watch how they react, okay? Now, back when the book, I'd been on Jeff's shows and the book was out, just when in 2011, Obama signed NDAA on New Year's Eve. Remember that? He signed, he signed what, Roger? The NDAA. It's this big thing where they could name citizens of the United States and residents terrorists and just come yank you off the street. Isn't that clever? Okay, well, he did it on New Year's Eve right in that time frame, in the dead of night, as they're apt to do something important like this, and that was in January. Well, that spring, about April, I open up, get up in the morning, drinking my coffee, looking at the world, and there's a story about a new bill that was introduced in the Senate by Joe Lieberman and co-signed by Chucky the Schmucky Schumer that was going to assign the same penalties of the NDAA to U.S. nationals. Oh, really? Yeah. Of course, it never got any co-sponsors, and it never went anywhere. You know why? Because they can't overturn God's laws. But they reacted, didn't they? Yeah. You want to know why I tell you that they're conscious of this? I saw it real early on. I also saw it really early on when I was doing the radio shows with Bennett. And all in those days that I ever knew to do was just give the information, R plus D equals R, and teach people how to identify what a person is and start at that point. Okay? And so I'm doing those shows, and all of a sudden I get on another show over there. There's a couple of people from Atlanta that had a show on RBN in the morning, a gal and a female. I don't remember their names. He was from out there around where Allen is, I think. And uh, anyway, I'm on there. They start getting emails. And then r- there was a guy that used to hang around our group in Atlanta. He, he gravitated to David Strait. Do you remember Tommy from Brooklyn? No. He never saw him at any of the gun shows, little kind of short, <laughs> pudgy, obnoxious guy. He used to call into a bunch of radio shows. Tommy from Brooklyn. No, Chris, I, you ever heard uh, him on call in? No. 
And All right. See, I didn't go to gun shows, uh, but very, very rarely. Well, he'd come hang around at some of the conventions and stuff, and he always tried to hook on to David Strait. He had met David up in Nashville before that. and He was the kind of little obnoxious little New Yorker kind of guy that David liked, you know? That kind of attitude. Yeah. And so, anyway, he was around. So, Dave, I knew him and because he was one of John and Glenn's original students. And so, Tommy gets a hold of me, and he said, Hey, Roger, man, I, I was listening to this show on RBN, the other guy, and some guy calls in, this guy Russ from Minnesota, and he's running you on up one side and down the other. And and he's going over all this, and he said, I called into the show right after that, and I said, listen, I've known Roger. I had the same teachers. He knows what he's talking about. And so then the, these other people start getting emails from this guy, Russ, in Minnesota. And Bennett gets some feedback from somewhere, and the guy actually went to the length. Now, get this. I don't know how much any of you know about Stat Miller and his operation over there, but Stat Miller never comes into the operation except 10 or 15 minutes before his radio show. He pops into the operation, he does his show, and he gets on his bike and he leaves. Okay? And so somehow this guy caught him. This guy went to the trouble to call Stat Miller at the network and say, that stuff Roger Sales is teaching is going to get a lot of people in trouble. And so here's and so I'm talking to you I know Harvey, I'll get you in a second, Brent. And so I know Harvey and maybe Brent too remembers Rick Scruggs. Yeah. Dave. Yes, sir? All right, break in. What does your Tuesday? what, Brian? Oh, sorry, I'm working. Sorry about that old mute. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So Rick lives down on the coast in Georgia now, and this had just happened previously, and I was on, talking to him on the phone one night. He's one of my, my real good students, Rick Scruggs. He's the one, Chris, you would like, you'd love Rick Scruggs. At one point, he had like 13 lawsuits going at the same time. <laughs> He had. Well, one. I try to help him out. That's a dangerous thing to do. He had one on certiorari to the Supreme Court. He had one at the tax court in D.C. He had all these municipal ones in South Georgia over driving stuff. How do you live filing thirteen lawsuits simultaneously as a, as, a, as a guy? Holy smokes! Anyway, that's Rick Scruggs, and so I'm talking to Scruggs one night on the phone. And I'm telling him about this rush from Minnesota and these incidents. And he goes, well, you know, Roger. Uh, and I said, listen, I'd read somewhere that the Southern Poverty Law Center, I refer to him as the sodomy pedophile larceny center, had been monitoring Re Republic over there. And it was in an art, something I'd read. And so I said, okay, well, this has got to be the SPLC guy. And so I'm telling Rick that, and he goes, well, you know, I was in a police station the other day, and I picked up their little magazine. You know, they send a monthly magazine to all the sheriffs and cops in the country. And he said, and I kept it. And I said, well, do you still have it? And he said, yeah. I said, well, can you go get it? And he says, yeah. I said, well, go get it. So he's off go looking and finding it, and, and it comes back. And I said, well, open the first page there. Is there anybody named Russ? And he goes, yeah, right here at the top, the editor, Russell Estes. And I said, well, is there anybody on the whole list underneath it? No, not another Russ. So I get on the air and nail the bastard. 
Okay, Russell Estes, Russ from Minnesota, you damn troll, want to hide under and terrorize all these people, call into Deanna Spingola and all the crap you do. Well, I named his last name. I see he's probably in the Minneapolis area, St. Paul. Why don't we go up and look him up? I bet he's in the phone book. And let's go spy on his ass. Well, I, it, they stopped. He immediately, everything against me stopped in its tracks. I think he was still active a little bit over there afterwards, but we knew who he was. Russell Estes from Minnesota. I, I hope they burned your damn house down in the riot. Poetic justice. I've seen these snakes. Now, one day over there at uh, Truth Frequency, they had a, a pretty good setup on the software of the way the network ran. And when people would call in on Skype, it had the identifier on there. And it automatically gave you the cell phone registration owner. And so I'm on there one Friday. You'll like this, Harvey. I'm on there one Friday with Brent. And some guy calls in from the Tampa St. Pete area, and it's his name shows up. There's like blumenthal or something and the guy calls up and he goes wow don't you wish hillary clinton would have won or might have been right before the election should win don't we need a woman president and i spotted the blumenthal when he first popped up and so i said uh richard whatever your name is i said can i ask you a question sure i said is this your phone and he knew he'd been busted Okay. And he got off. We never heard from him again. But I've, I've had to deal with these little snaky bastards the whole time. But they always go away. And when they're confronted, especially with this information, you just yep. get them cold. There was another one, another incident, too, early in those days with a guy I gave a caveat out here recently. I hadn't seen him pop up in years. And he popped up about a month ago over at SGT Reports doing a interview with Sean, and his name is Brent Johnson. Remember him? Chris? No. Brent Johnson, remember him? I don't remember that name. You don't? You never heard that guy? Well, he's one of these guys that had all the magic paperwork for you. Only cost you 750 bucks, and you got the magic paperwork. We used to be all over shortwave radio. I can't believe you didn't hear him, weren't familiar with him. Well, it turns out, guess who he was big buddies with, Harvey? A guy that I had a little cross paths with down there in Argentina named Dave Von Kleist. Okay? Well, they were big buddies. They had a radio show together for a while, so I know a little bit about him. He's a Jew that changed his name, for one thing. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. He had a girlfriend. He'd usually give her a few minutes on his segments for the quote-unquote woman's point of view. I'm sure she was oh. his little Jewish girlfriend and her crap. Okay. And I'm so tired of people pandering to the woman's point of view and the complaints yeah. about Pence was mansplaining. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I mean, and, and here they pop up just again here recently. That's why I threw that warning out there. If anybody watched that, just – Beware who you're dealing with. I didn't even listen to it. I don't know what kind of crap he's put forward, but he was down in New Zealand. They they went all the way to New Zealand and spent some time down there when I was first in Argentina. I know that. 
Anyway, after when the book was being promoted in the early days, and I was on there with Joyce a couple of times on her program, well, they knew Joyce because their relationship with Von Kleist, her ex-husband. And so both of them called Joyce on the side, and what do you think they said? That stuff Roger Sales is teaching is going to get a lot of people in trouble. The same exact words to the word that this guy Russell Estes had used earlier in the early days. So, well, just, no, wait, actually, he's he's correct. He's going to get the people at the Southern well, well, that's, Law Center. No, that, that's that. No, that's what I told Russell Estes on the air. I said, "You're right, Russell. It is going to get a lot of people in trouble. You and all your Jew damn slaving pals." Okay. Now, speaking of their Jew slaving pals, I've played on here a time or two fairly recently, back a few months ago, the audio track to the David Duke, The History of Jewish Slavery. Any of y'all, I know some of you remember that, right? Chris, I know you do. Chris, did not? Yeah, there he is. Okay, anyway, that had been obviously pulled from YouTube a long time ago. Uh, but it popped up this morning over on BitChute. It's not under that title. It talks about Jewish slavery or something. I watched it again this morning in its entirety. I've heard it several times on the audio tape, and I'll put it the link to the bit shoot one at the end of today's show description, along with this article from a very interesting website called Table, by the way, that I was talking about earlier with Warren Buffett and all the people that are sponsoring this back Black Lives Matter and the whole. This is a very intricately somebody that wrote this article did one hell of a lot of research. Okay, And if you want to look for some background on that and this very interesting tidbit about them financing it and kicking it off in the early days, I'll stick that article link in there today, too. So the slave video and that are the two that we'll stick in there. Interesting stuff floating around. They continue to get exposed. Some of the alternate platforms are starting to pop up. I don't spend any time on Gab. I probably should be poking my head over there a little more lately, uh, at least on a regular basis. I don't for whatever reason. I'm not really a social media kind of guy. Does anybody else fit that mold? I know you do, Harvey. I know Chris does. Because he doesn't have, he's technologically challenged enough. But none whatsoever. Yeah, I, I won't do it. I'm sorry. I, I just, I'm not going to let those damn websites control my life. I'm not the kind of person that goes, "Oh, hey, look, I went to the restaurant today. Oh, look at the grocery store. They had this." I'm just not that kind of person. I'm kind, I'm pretty private. Okay. PPN and and. Uh, RBN and other truth medias are about the only social media I delve in. Yep, 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 yep. You have intercourse. I, I don't even know what R, what what is RBN. Republic Broadcasting. You have intercourse with all of them, don't you, Chris? Uh, on a limited basis. <laughs> okay. Anything anybody wants to bring up? I'm always I'm very anxious selective for, who I have intercourse with. Well, there you go. Uh, selectivity is a good plan. Uh, did anybody have anything up, you know, real relevant you wanted to bring up, significant, like meaty, on all this confusion and things we've uncovered and this, that, and the other? Or is it clear as clear or clear as mud? You're sending me back to the book to study, Roger. Oh, good, Harv. Yeah. 
And for current events, let me mention that uh, the headline on Breitbart, way down deep on the, on the page, I think it is, uh, says, the NBA sticks to sports, will ditch the on-court social justice displays after this season. Yep. Now, what's, what's wrong with that headline? Okay, the answer is, this season didn't exist. <laughs> Nobody showed up. Um, so. uh, for those of you that don't know the NBA, I saw the headline on Zero Hedge. Their, their ratings, I saw something on it last night, dropped 68% from year over year or something. A huge, huge amount in ratings drops. And so now the NBA has come back and said, we're going to remove all the Black Lives Matter stuff for next season. And it's interesting. They obviously control the MVA with that Jew bastard that's the commissioner that looks like Ichabod Crane. You know, I don't Adam know. Silver. Silver is his name, right? He, he looks like an Ichabod Crane's twin brother. Uh, one of those. No, he looks like he just exactly. came out of Auschwitz, you know, with the receding cheeks yeah. and stuff. So anyway, right. they uh, they never brought up one time that all these black guys are making hundreds of millions of dollars, not off of their basketball contracts, off of their Nike shoe contracts and all the other advertisements. Okay, well they're making it all off a game that was invented by a white man. You hypocrite bastards. Well, that's that's known as cultural. Uh, cultural, what? cultural accepted hypocrisy. N- no, C A H. You're going to see it pop up in an article somewhere. I'm telling you. Anyway, also the governor of Florida has okayed full venues at sporting events. So that was kind of interesting. I think he's first in the States to do that yesterday. DeSantos, he's the one that pulled all the restrictions off restaurants a couple of weeks, too, a, yeah. a weeks back. So, yep, I was going to mention that. Hell, is that Murr? It is. Hey, Merzer. <laughs> What's going on? Hey, before we got too far away from the Estes, testes, uh, he used to call in his Minnesota, and on other ones he'd call in with a southern accent like stormfront roger he'd call in as roger oh i just put those two together <laughs> and uh pretend he was from somewhere in the south and anyway i blew the blue's cover over there for good them. for you and i um, still gotta keep on it but he's not from minnesota he calls you know he's in uh montgomery alabama oh well that makes sense Spitlickers is what Harry Cooper called them. So when I type it in a chat room, I capitalize those letters. Rick DLC and Spitlickers. Morris hmm? D's. Morris D's is who Ligman. started that Ligman operation. You know where Morris D's got his money, Murr? Huh. Murr, you don't know this? You don't have a link to it somewhere? Sorry. I did know, but I forgot. <laughs> he stole a, a grandmother's uh, a chocolate chip cookie recipe. Oh, yes. You even said that, yes. That's where he yeah. started his little deal. His and then name he... is Seligman. Yeah, probably Selig- Selig- Seligman. They switch their names around. Of course they do. And Supposedly, so th- his father's friend is Jewish. I guess it was his mother's friend also. It, he's pro- his mother was probably a Jew, be my guess. Anyway, I want to ask, Harvey, 
There was a guy yes. over in Coleman, Alabama, named James yep. Floyd. Yep. You you remember James? I know you do. That's why I'm asking the question. Yeah, I met him one time. I wish I'd have had a chance to meet him. I talked to him on the phone a number of times. This guy's the most fantastic guy, y'all. And he was the one, he was absolutely the plague of Morris D's. Yep. Okay. He followed Morris D's around like Morris D's shadow and harassed him and harangued him at every turn. And every time he'd learned he was going to be on a radio show somewhere, he'd call in and confront him with his divorce records, which were up in D.C. and in the public record that he couldn't deny. Like him presenting his stepdaughter at 16 years old with a vibrator for a birthday present and asking her to demonstrate it for him. His gay rendezvous in some hotels in D.C., his little gay liaison uh, tripes, and et cetera, et cetera, that were in the divorce proceedings he papers. Brought a, he brought and, a gay guy into the marital bed with the wife. Okay. Yeah, and so every and time... They did each other with her in the middle. Well, we, we, and all that, whatever the whatever the the details are, Mur, I don't know, but whatever the details were, were all in there. And so every time Morris Dees was still running the sodophile pet, pet, uh, larceny center, then, and so he'd be the front man. And so it was James Floyd that kicked him out of being a front man because he got he got on some big radio show one time, and and he calls in and catches him in the damn middle of the program cold they don't screen his call and he confronts him with all this stuff on the program and and d's hung up the phone on the host <laughs> yeah well one of the things one of the things in that uh in those divorce records was Mars d's uh, uh acting as a peeping tom on his daughter-in-law <laughs> You know, when we call him Morris Sleaze, it fits, you know. So anyway, one of the things I remember James Floyd did, just give you a little. And Coleman is there north of Birmingham, almost a little bit west of the road that leads straight up to Nashville. I've never been over there, but I know a little bit about it. And he was in Coleman, C-U-L-L-M-A-N. And he had some altercation down there with the judge or something at the courthouse. And in most southern towns, if you don't know, the center town is a little courthouse. It's a square, and this courthouse is there, and, uh, and, and that's the way those most of them are structured still, I guess. And so whatever the altercation was, Jim Floyd, and it was right around the time Braveheart had just been released, okay, and whatever the altercation was, and I don't remember the specifics, but I do remember what he did. I think you'll remember this too, Harvey. As Jim Floyd went and dressed up and painted half of his face blue, and the judge's office was up on the second floor, and he went around up there with a pole with one of those rubber chickens on it, and he started dangling the chicken up in the judge's window and yelling freedom with half a blue face. <laughs> I never heard that. Yeah, he did it. He did it. <laughs> when he, he had a sign out in his front yard, it was after Waco. He said, FBI, please don't shoot my dogs. <laughs> my kind of guy. <laughs> 
he was a character man james floyd i i'm sure he's not still around but he was a he's a real you know you meet some real cameos in this patriot movement buddy he was a cameo that guy he had invented some process for turning uh very efficiently turning agricultural waste into alcohol to operate uh, farm vehicles. Oh, okay. So, so he had some money. Oh no, <laughs> big, big petrol move. They on. stole it from him. <laughs> oh no, no, they 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 squashed. I forget what happened. He told me. I, I met him, uh, and he told that story. I could go ask somebody else. Who was there. Yeah, you have a mutual friend with him. I know that was fairly close to him. A female. Um, he was a character now and just a real bright spot. People that just would confront them right in their face, you know, and that's what we need more of. Boy, you just wait until we get a good solid group of people that know what's going on and file this paperwork and got a little bit of power underneath them. Empowerment. Listen, we can do some damage to these people. We got to get to the, to a point of that. Wow. Now, here's, a, here's an idea I cooked up when we were really gaining momentum on the audience over at Truth Frequency before Ego Boy took over. Um, I thought if we could get enough people, and you'd have to have people that would follow up and do it. It's going to take a little bit of work and commitment on individuals. But I think people that have done this are fairly committed anyway. All right. And so what you do is you take wherever your senator, you got two senators and you got one representative, and you write them a cover letter with a copy of the filed affidavit and ask them if they realize that we're in a slavery system. And then you take and copy, everybody copies on every letter, President Trump. And according to your last name of the alphabet, we choose either alternative congressmen and senators like Schumer, uh, all the bad guys, and copy them on the ones we're sending. And we also copy different selected members of the Supreme Court. And we start mailing those letters, certified return receipt requested up there. And it, they're like mortars going into all the stable platforms of this crooked system. We know, we know, we know, we know. Do you know? And you put your own on the fire and put their feet to the fire. Do you realize this is happening? Now, you get a couple of thousand people doing that and bombarding them with those letter mortars, buddy, they're going to know the jig's up. But we got to get enough people that understand what's going on, that have filed the paperwork, that will make a commitment to sit down, write some letters, do copies, get it in the mail, and go through all the administrative crap that you'd have to do to do pull that off. But I think it might have some effect. They'd certainly know the game was up at the top and that they'd been exposed. And their biggest fear, don't forget what it says at the bottom there in the footnote of Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars, their consent is our victory. Four words. They know they don't have the consent anymore. 
and that the jig is up because when that affidavit is filed and it's not rebutted or even looked at or sneezed at or denied or anything else, what have they really done? In a common law court, if it was in an open court setting, they've convicted themselves, haven't they? You know, Roger, that line from uh, that you just mentioned, their consent our victory, is also the last line in Edwin Bernays' treatise on propaganda. Well, that's probably where they got it, Chris, in all honesty. Uh, here's a nice little bomb. Here's a uh, bombshell. Uh, Dr. Mi Yu Young, or whatever her name is, the little defector from China that's been so brave. You know that they've arrested her mother and all her family and thrown them in jail in China, by the way. And she continued. Well, there's something else going on there. Well, she just released the second book with all of the uh, all of the research and the scientific data in there. Yeah, there's something going on, all right. She's blowing the whistle and nobody will cover her, all right. And well, it. Well, well, you can take, you can have your own opinion on it. What the point I wanted to make here is what she was on Tucker Carlson last night briefly, or night before, and said the second book was coming out with all the proof in it, and it's out. It's been released, and it says evidently that it is an unrestricted bio weapon is what she is claiming when proving evidently on a large scale, and it's organized scientific fraud. So we'll see where that goes. That just popped up as a headline. But that's happening, Every, too. Well, you, know, you go ahead. You know, Chinese, they, they say the, the last name first, Yan, right? Yan Li Ming. But she had this worked-up thing where the virus itself would cause a man's body to have a cow's head. Well, I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't oh, heard. Murr, I haven't heard it's any of that. Era. I don't even know if you're talking about the same thing. I haven't heard her allude or say. One. Okay, well, yeah, I'll, Jan Lee well, I, the last name first. okay, well, whatever her second thing's out and Murr generally has a sep- different kind of take on these things. I haven't heard her allude to or well, say anything me. like that. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, whatever. Uh, so I'll that's out there. TV if you say I should. Okay, hold it. My old buddy's joined us here. Dennis, <laughs> Dennis. Hey, man. Can you get your mic on? Okay, you're distorting a little bit. Say something again. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, I don't have a headset on. Um, Oh, boy. That's okay. Um, It sounds good right there. It's fine. I wanted to ask a question. Uh, Oh, great. You know, know, if it's all right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, how do we know that, uh, uh, you know, the marijuana uh, stuff, Kills cancer cells. I, you know, I, everybody talks about it and stuff like that. But I mean, is there any evidence of it? Well, I think they've got some lab, laboratory evidence of that, scientific, don't they? Yeah, I've been reading some of it too. Yeah, I, you know. Now hold on. Let me let me add here. Dennis is a retired dentist. He's got a science background. Absolute genius. <laughs> Dennis and I met Harvey. Have I been, Have you met Dennis yet? Who? No, sir. Okay, I have not. Harvey, anybody else that hadn't? Dennis and I met at at Doug Casey's uh, open house in Cafayette, Argentina, and we crossed paths at one of his open houses up there. Became instant friends, and 
had a whole bunch of fun every that week. We like I tell you, Dennis is a barrel of monkeys to be with, and we had a great time. And uh, so we've continued to stay in touch, and I'm glad to have him on the air. He's been through a little health thing recently. We're glad you've gotten through it, Dennis. Thanks, Roger. Um, well, I'm still working on it. Still working on it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, at our age, all of us are, you know, preventative or actively, one of the two. So, uh, did you have any other questions? No, that was just one. I, you know, I was I was looking into it today, and uh, well, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I was just looking into it, and I wanted to see. I wanted to see if it was spelled out someplace. You know, I mean, well, this, the, the the university type physicians are, are so hypocritical, okay. and you can't get a straight answer out of any of them. You know. Well, let me ask you this, Dennis. Did you know that I just heard this recently? I don't remember where. Do you know that we have cannabinol receptors in our bodies? Uh, I believe I did know we have that. Yeah. Why? Why do you Lots think? Why do you think they're there? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. You're okay. Yeah. You know. I mean, just an open question. Why do you think they're there? Roger. Hold 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 on. Murr wants to get in here. Murr. Once the cannabis is in. Yeah. Once the cannabis is in there, doesn't that allow the body to do its job to relax and do its job? It's not necessarily cannabis on its own. It's the fact that, yeah, we have those receptors for a reason, because we need it to help us. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. I don't normally trust people from the Driftless area, but uh, I do you. Thank you. Now, Dennis's daughter is an attorney, and she is, I mentioned this before when you were on, Dennis, because I know because I spoke to her one time, and I know yeah. what you've told me. Uh, she's the one that's really spearheaded the national movement on legalizing hemp. And she, from what Dennis has said, writes the legislation, travels to the states, lobbies the lawmakers, and gets those bills passed, and has been pretty successful in that effort, hasn't she? She has, and uh, she's got, I think, about five or six different states. You know, our state, Wisconsin here, you know, uh, and stuff. And uh, but it's, it's several different states. But uh, yeah, she's she's really well thought of. She's a sweet gal. I enjoyed Let meeting me her and talking with her. Okay, Mur, please add. If I may, two more points and then I'll quit bothering y'all. It should be decriminalized, not legalized. Just let it go back to being an herb. Don't bring the law into it. Yeah, and good also, idea. Good idea. People are so afraid it's gonna so people are so afraid it's gonna have a high THC content. Do you know how hard it is to get a THC content? <laughs> Okay, it's it's air pollinated, so if there's a male within two miles, your females are lost. You're not going to get any sensomia, any flowers without seeds. Okay, so it's very controlled to try to get any THC content. So all this fluster and bluster about, oh, it might have too much THC. No, you need the whole plant, okay? And it's not going to have an extra amount of THC growing in the wild. Now, if you want to keep it inside and contained and pull all the males out first, yeah, and you'll be able to get buds three times or four times a year. Don't ask me how I know. You're sounding like a feminist now. <laughs> Pull all the males out. No, this is how you do with plants. Come I'm on. yanking you your chain, Murr. I'm yanking your chain. I know you are. And, you know, Bernays was the one to start with the feminist stuff. And, of course, Friedan and all the rest of them picked up on it. You know, and, and well, how else it's are they going to? But it's all from the same tribe. How else are they going to get all the soccer moms voting for Bill Clinton? Uh, 
hey, listen, back then I was so busy working and stuff, I thought, oh, yeah, well, he's better than Bobby Bush. You know, I read the papers about the boys in the White House. I wrote in Mickey Mouse that year instead of Dukakis or... You want to know how naive I was back then? When when Bush got nominated under Reagan, I thought, man, that's great. He used to run the CIA. He knows where all the skeletons are buried. That was how naive I was. Yeah, well, he buried he buried them. <laughs> he ought to know. <laughs> he killed the skeletons. <laughs> Hell, he probably he probably did like they they did the old uh, Westcott and Horde over there in England. They hated them so much they dug up their bones and burned them. Pretty good idea. Hey, Mer, Dennis, this is Dennis here. This is Dennis from the Ice Age area of the state. You know, is there any way I can get a chance to talk to you sometime? Who me? Yeah, you. Oh, I'm a nobody. You're from the Driftless area. You're somebody. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm, I am from the Driftless area. I, <laughs> I love that. I, I hear that a different program, so. So you're around here, too, this area? I'm over, I'm over in, I'm on the other side of Wisconsin, yeah. Oh, okay. How about that? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty much a, you know, a hermit. <laughs> Well, I'm, you know, if I heaven, so. email to you sometimes, just an email or something, or I don't know, can we work it out through Roger or something? I could probably hook you two up somehow, although one of yeah, my, I, my main email program I use is down for six days in a row. Uh, well, I, I sent a couple more things to you, but when you said that, I was sending just exclusively to Daryl. Yeah, well, I, had to, I, I, chat, I, I popped in over oh. there. I popped in over there. Dennis, I'll tell you what I need you to do. Yeah. Send an email to Radio Ranch. Yeah. At mail, M-A-I-L dot com. I don't think I've got your address over there. No, no, mail.com. Okay. All right. At mail.com, right? M-A-I-L, yes. Okay. Yeah. I'll do that. I, I just, I mean, oh. her sounds like she does have, uh, you know, it, it sounds like she has some, some great ideas right on the, the tip of her uh, forebrain. So, I mean, I'd love to be able to talk to her. <laughs> Mur is a... Well, like I said, you know, is <laughs> a pain in the butt. A reservoir of... No, I would, no, no, a, a reservoir of information. Yeah. You know what? The central, the central uh, death cult—that's what I call the CDC—should be replaced with the DCD, decriminalized cannabis. Damn it! Yeah, yeah. It's already done in a bunch of states. Um, hell, well, I had it's a question. Legalized. It's different. You need to decriminalize. Well, you know, I mean, what what needs to happen is it needs to be voluntary, and the state gets a get, let them tax it. Okay, I don't care. No, they get nothing. <laughs> but it's all right if you, yeah, if you look at Colorado, they're swimming in money now. Yeah. Oh yeah. The the states right? that have have opened because up on that are huge, huge tax uh, uh, benefits, huge tax benefits. Mm-hmm. Um. But like I'm saying, they still try to wrap fear around this. Oh, there's THC. Oh, this, that, and the other thing. That's the whole problem is the fear, like they're doing with the town Oh, my God. They tried to do it. They, they, wrapped up, they wrapped all the fear around hydrocarzone, for God's sake. <laughs> it's been around for 70 years. Yeah. 
with no e- efficacy problems at all. Listen, this, this is still a nothing burger. Of course it is. This viry debris well, and positive. It's getting exposed. It's, it's getting it's exposed. People are starting to stand up all over the world. That German lawyer that we talked about and touched on yesterday, I still got his video, watched a smidgen of it yesterday, seems very credible. Uh, yep. A lot of people standing up, mm-hmm. okay? They, they're going to lose. Now, their problem is... They've hung their hat on this peg right here, the coronavirus peg. They've laid out all the plans for the world control. They've, you can go to that website where you click on those concentric circles, and it shows you the extent of the planning that's been done on this. They're going for the gold ring with this one. And they're being exposed, and it's already losing stream. And no matter what you think of this woman, this woman that literally, for the jeopardy of putting her own family in Chinese jails, is coming out and blowing the whistle. And what tells me she's legit, Murr, is the media won't touch her. Well, there's a lot of things in play here. First off, over in China, there was a lot of LARPing going on, and they didn't have any lockdown. It's all nonsense, but they're they're being played against us just like we're oh no being though they they had the same one. oh they've got plenty of lockdowns going right now over in China Mur but in different places like where the Uyghurs are that are causing them problems and the Mongolians up in Upper Mongolia or Lower Mongolia that's part of China where they're trying to not let them teach their native language in the schools anymore. And they're teaching them Chinese and moving Han Chinese in up there and marrying their women and doing all that stuff. And they're revolting. And they got that whole place on lockdown. Okay? But what they did at the first was they wouldn't allow people to travel to China, but they left the international flights open out of Wuhan. Well, they locked down their internet, too. Well, they've got a firewall locked down their internet. No, they got it totally open in China. They've just got a firewall that blocks it from the rest of the world. Right. But I'm saying that was their biggest holiday of the year. That's right. Just recently. Right. It's, it's, they're about the people, they're people still hanging their heads out the windows hollering. It's fake. They're still you in know, the middle of it. It's, it's a 10-day holiday. It's, they, it's the 8th. We're still in it over there in China, that holiday. I follow China real closely, Murr. I've been studying them every day with all those Epic Time video feeds that are put out. And I got to tell you, the Epic Times is as good a media organization as there is on the face of this earth that I've found. Epoch Times, yeah. Well, you got to always watch. Every time there's something really good like that, there'll be an infiltrator writer in there. Um, Here's another thing. You got to watch. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I, stuff I, goes into press TV and screws it up. I see stuff yeah, on the Epic kind of Times that are really important stories that you never see anywhere else. Okay? Mm-hmm. They're, they're well, real I'm, straight I'm shooters. Saying, it's Tom Muddia everywhere. You know, where did Dove Zakheim go? You remember he was the comptroller at the Pentagon, the $2.3 missing right there at 9-11? And Rumsfeld is out in the yard waving his arms. I don't know what happened. Yeah, well, little Dovey's over in China, and so is Hank Paulson, who is also a Jew, who did the stick-up 
for seven hundred seventy-seven billion. They were. They they've been. They've been setting but up. Those the, numbers are they, important to them. They've been setting up the Chinese and the Chinese Party since the twenties and the thirties, and here's how you prove that: the book Harvey. Uh, Harvey, did you ever finish Ways That Are Dark? Okay, that was a book. We've talked about it a lot around here. It was written in the 30s. It was reprinted by Barnes Review back in the 90s. I bought a copy because I heard them talking about it, read it. It was written by a U.S. ambassador from a U.S. ambassador or a foreign service family. He wasn't the first. His former generations had been in the foreign service, and he had served two tours of China and wrote this book, and it's very derogatory. Now, a couple of points. That was before the Chinese communists took over. They just celebrated the Chinese communists takeover at the start of this 10-day period because that's October the 1st. That's the day in 48, 49, I guess, that Mao took over China. But the struggle had been going on for years before that. Mao was a peasant kind of guy, came out of one of those upper reaches of China, started, was influenced by Lenin and the Russians, and had Jewish advisors, obviously, and started the Chinese party. As of a few years ago, there was still one of those two original Jewish guys on the Chinese Central Committee, okay? So, yeah, they, and the reason I know is because when that book was released, it was totally panned by the establishment media. They already yep. had plans yep. for China. They I didn't bet. want anything like that out there circulating. Right. Well, that's okay. what they do. They go in and they bring a country down to no morals, and then they can take it. Well, over. They, they they didn't have to work. They didn't have to work too hard on the Chinese to accomplish right. that. Okay. Well, listen. Even back to the Civil War, Jews caused the Civil War. There, I I had sent it to you before, but you read that. And you can see they Mur- were working on the Chinese. I don't have to read it. Been before. I don't have to read it. I know that the 14th Amendment was put in place to control the world, and I know who did it and who does it. Right. But you know the HSBC Bank, right? The Hong Kong of course. Banking Corporation? Of course. That was opened in 1865 with the loot from this country by the British, by the British Israelis. HSBC was founded by those two guys that were Scottish that used to work for the East India Trading Company that split off on their own. One of them was a medical doctor that had been on the East India trading ships and started the opium trade. They're the ones that after the China Chinese war with China got Hong Kong. And it was Judge Matheson and starts with a J. Those two guys, they're the ones that started HSBC. You think it was just those two guys? Well, I'm Jardine. Jardine and Matheson. They're still active oh. company today. You can go look them up on the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. no, it wasn't started by our money. Those guys started it with the opium trade. And in fact, that conflict is the reason for all of the bullshit today. Do you know why, Mur? When the Chinese won the first round, they went into where all the opium dealers were and confiscated all of the opium in the in the wholesale warehouses and burned it. The war with China was who was going to pay for the burned opiums to Jardine and Matheson. The English or the Chinese, and they refused. That's what started what yeah, we're dealing with today. Right. And, you know, the opium was grown in India that was taken Correct. into Correct. China. Correct. By East like, India trading. 
by Jardine by Jardine and Matheson ships. That's why they split off and started doing it on their own. I contend it wasn't just those two men. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you can contend whatever you want. That's like the history that. of it. Okay. The main I'm players. The cabal and the, and the tribe is behind it all. They're not going to let something like that let two. Well, they, on their own. No, here's what happens. No, that's wrong, Murr. Here's what happens. Those guys do it on their own, and they're successful, and they come in and get compromised by the tribe. They very rarely start anything. They co-opt things. That's true. They mutate. They can't create. That's correct. Just like the Chinese. The reason the Chinese got to steal all this technology is they ain't worth a crap at innovating, but they're great at copying. The best in the world. No, they're really not very good at copying, Roger. They always come up with (laughs) inferior products. Well, that's right, but they're good on the surface, Harvey. I know all their stuff's crap on the inside. Well, let me say they are prolific at copying, but they're not good at it. Good word. And uh, if you look at the... uh, Actually, the Japanese are... uh, very innovative themselves Mm -hmm. they are and of course they're bitter rivals with the chinese for centuries hatred animosity (laughs) and hatred hatfields and mccoys that's a fact there was a whole other group that uh roger yes there was a whole other group that sold the japanese uh the opium and that was the jesuits in their black ships they they had the uh, uh, the uh, what do you call it the, the concession up there in Japan to themselves. Dennis, let me ask you a question. Since China and you're on, do you know what's going on over there with this Catholic Church stuff right now? I don't. No, I haven't seen anything. Holy smokes, Dennis! You got to start watching these epic time shows, man. Uh, one of them is called China in Focus. Just go to uh-huh. YouTube and type in China in focus. Another one is called Crossroads, and they have these really impressive young hosts that go over a lot of these stories and a lot of the detail, and they're very familiar with China and the Chinese Communist Party, okay? And, um, uh, hell, I forgot the point I was going to make. Um, ah, heck, it'll come back to me. Come on. What would, I would, uh, okay, the, what they're doing in China with the Catholic Church. It's been a really lot of lot of prof, high profile lately. Did you know that Monk Mike Pompeo went to the Vatican last week and the Pope wouldn't meet with him? Really? Afraid he was going to kill him, huh? No, he did. He, his excuse was he didn't want anything to have the appearance of meddling in the upcoming election. But the oh. real problem and the reason Pompeo was trying to meet with him was China, because China's contract with the Vatican is up on who appoints bishops in China. And Uh, it has been that there was half and half, half by the Catholic Church and half by China. And China strong-armed them this year into all bishops being appointed by China now. Now, you know uh, the the, the story in the Bible where the woman that sinned comes to Jesus, and he says, let let those who throw the first stone without sin throw yeah. the first stone right they've changed that in the in the chinese bible now and jesus stones her to death and says we have to right. we have to abide by a higher law oh, oh, 
demonic rationalization. He's the one well, that has no sin, so he's, he can stone her to death. It's the same thing that they did and King James did, wanting to take keep control of the power of the king in the King James Bible in the translation. Same kind of crap. Well, just three years ago, they met in Vienna to try to change and put in anti-Semitic warnings in the Bible and in the Quran. And one of their pet peeves is, First Thessalonians two fourteen and 15, they killed their own prophets and Jesus Christ, and they're contrary to all men. Well, I know, they're, out of there. I know they're trying to get Revelation 2, 9, and 3, 9 out of their bad. Synagogue of Satan, yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of well-known. But, but that's, true, what, that's what... The fact that they, that's the, what Vatican II was about. They well, want that they kill Christ out of there. Well, let me tell you, if there's a, probably somebody that knows a whole bunch of this stuff, it's our friend Dennis, because Dennis was raised by the Jesuits in the Catholic Church and has gotten wise to this, and since he retired, he's been traveling all over the world. You went over and spent a whole month in Rome, didn't you, Dennis? Yes. What did yes. you find out? I was digging around the Jesuit residence. I mean, you know, there's, there's tremendous collusion between the Jesuits and the Jews. Tremendous. They, it's probably, those guys are all probably Jews that are running the Jesuits. It's a, it's a real interesting thing. I'm trying to tie it together. Pardon me? Mer? No, she didn't say anything. I was just going to say the first Jesuit. Okay. I said the first Jesuit was Loyola Ignatius, right? The first Jesuit was a Jew. That is correct. And the second one was St. Francis Xavier, who was also a Jew. They, the, the four, there are about four or five guys that started this thing up in Paris, and they were all Jews. It was it was just flat amazing. But, you know, I went down to my university here and tried to get them to admit it, and they said, ah, those are just rumors. You know, they, they, they'll they never tell you anything that's oh, valuable. You ain't, you ain't getting a straight answer out of them, and I'm going to reiterate again, that's what makes this affidavit so important. Now you get a straight answer out of them. Silence deems consent, and they're mute as a damn deaf mute. Yeah. Now, I brought this up several times lately because it just hit me. You heard on if you watched the debate last night, if you watched the debate last week, if you listen and pay attention to any of the peripheral crap from the establishment media, deny, deny, deny. It says it in the protocols. If you ever get caught, deny, deny, deny. Did you see the James Comey thing in front of the Senate last week? How many times? I don't know. I can't recall. I don't remember. How many times did he use those? 25 times? Something like that? Okay. Well, they get up there and deny, deny, and you go by the book on that, except with this affidavit. They can't deny it. They stand mute totally. It's the only thing I've ever seen that stops them in their tracks. They've been caught red-handed with their hands, their feet, and that damn proboscis of theirs all in the cookie jar. <laughs> Jimmy Durante. And they never thought anybody would, any uh, stupid goy would figure this out. You know, I was looking, Alexander the Sixth, right? The Pope. He was a Jew, and he's, every portrait of him's got him sticking his big schnoz up in the air, and he just had total debauchery all the time, and that was 1453. So then all the other things that happened, like 1492, Columbus' real name is Zarco, 
He's a Sephardic Jew from uh, Cuba, uh, uh, Portugal, and they have a statue to him there. But uh, Conversos. I mean, Henry Ford was wise to. They were all. Yeah, he, they were. Marianos. He was wise to all the Jews around him, but not that Columbus was one. See, this, they keep these little secrets as if these are legitimate non-Jews, but they're not. And they even brag about it, you know. I've got um, a bunch of links about that, but it just cracks me up. And it was around the same time that they brought down Constantinople. Oh, they love to brag about <laughs> yeah. it internally among themselves. I watched a good video, which was excerpts, three or four chapters of one of E. Michael Jones's books. Are you are you pretty tapped into E. Michael Jones, Dennis? Talking to me? No, I, I, I no, that's, you see that guy from Notre Dame? Yeah, yeah. I no, I really don't know oh, too much about yeah, him. Dennis, Dennis, go put his name in a search engine. You need to get hooked into this guy. He's got he's real prolific. Okay, and he's E. Michael Jones. E. Michael Jones. I don't know okay, his website, but, uh, of course, from the Catholic point of view, and you're, the Catholics are the only ones that can defeat the Jews. He's real public about it, okay? But you need to familiarize yourself with his work a little bit. See, in Ireland, Raj, I'm called the last Catholic. <laughs> Dude, now, go over again. You chopped up, Dennis. Say that again, buddy. I said in Ireland, which I'm a citizen in Ireland, uh, they they would call me a lapsed Catholic. Okay, a lost Catholic. We had a yeah. a lot of information on Ireland and the situation in Ireland. We talked a while back in depth with Paul when when he came around. He still will, I'm sure. Uh, but that we found a book referred to in uh, written in Ireland by a Jew called the Jewish Moneylender back in the twenties. You can't find a copy of that, Dennis. I challenge you. Yeah, I remember us going over it on the air here. Okay. So, yeah, they do hide and they do have their little secrets. Last night, Cody dug up a book. I'm going to give you the title of it, but not before I read what I'm going to read to you because I want to don't want to lose my place. As I looked at it just briefly last night, and I found this at the front. The federal government, under the Articles of Confederation, this is a Patriot-written book from a while back, was a feudal compact between several states and had unlimited power over the individual, the federal government under the Articles. After ratification of the Constitution, federally feudalist Feudalism was gone forever. In the United States of America, well, not quite, but wait, in that case, why do we find the following in Black's Law Dictionary in the third edition, 1933? And he's quoting from Black's 33 edition. The United States has been generally styled in American politics and judicial writings a quote-unquote federal government. The term has not been imposed by any specific constitutional authority, but expresses the general sense and opinion upon the nature of the form of government. Federal, in quotation, is somewhat appropriate if the government is considered a union of the states. Semicolon. National, in quotes, is preferable 
if the view is adopted that the state government and the union are two distinct systems, each established by the people directly, one for the local and the other for the national purposes. See U.S. versus Crookshanks, etc., etc. How about, now he's writing again after the quote, quote's over. How about that? According to blacks, in 1933, the United States had been generally styled a federal government with no specific constitutional authority to do so. A government whose nature is feudal and operates outside of the Constitution. Being feudal in nature, this government also owes its existence to the civil law and necessarily functions pursuant to its principles, rules, and usages. Now, he's got this next little sentence, and we'll, I'll stop it here, underlined, whoever put this out. Sad to say, the 1933 edition of Blacks was absolutely correct, and the year 1913 was the year of the coup de grace, subsequently followed by a major coup on June the 5th, new date, June the 5th of 1933. These were giant steps toward what the perpetrators of the takeover intended to be fait accompli, a thing done that cannot be changed. I think we need to find out about June the 5th of 1933. What y'all think of that? Now, oh, let me give you the title of this. I'll scroll back up to the top now. It's a, it looks like a pretty neat little booklet. I will put a link to it on the end of the show description today. And it is titled, man, I can't even get up to the top of it here, Pied Pipers of Battle, Babylon by Verl Ver, Ver, Spear, S-P-E-E-R-D-C-L, whatever that means. Uh, and uh, the first page, big title, You're Under Foreign Law. So I'll put that up today. It looks interesting. I'd like to dig into it a little more, but that caught my eye last night, and I wanted to cover it today. What would you all think of that? Anything, Chris? Absolutely. That has been my contention for some time, that the so-called Ba-Ed-Duel system uh, has no specific definition but that it is foreign to our constitutional precepts of the Republic, and we have been seditiously undermined and taken over. Yep. And that's why they use the term resident, to tie you in from the state. Because when you tie in not understanding the real de- background and definition of that word, when you th- say, yes, I'm a resident of whatever state, you're saying generally, yeah, I live here. And But the real reason is, no, I'm under the laws of Washington, D.C. So you tie yourself back into the federal, federal uh, 14th Amendment, and now they've got control over not only the citizens of the United States, but also the people that are here like American Samoans that can't be citizens of the United States, but they can be residents, and now they're still entrapped in the same snare of laws. It's slick. 
You know, I mentioned recently, I, I read, I saw, alluded to in an article, didn't research it, don't know, but it's just one of those things when you get into this and things are uncertain and all of a sudden you see something and when that, whatever that element is that comes into the picture, all the dust settles. All of a sudden, all the questions are answered. Okay. And this was one of those the other day for me. And it said that 14th Amendment was written in the city of London. Brandeis helped write the uh, Balfour letter. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to give an address to Dennis culturewars.com. Culture Wars, that's it. E. Michael, yeah, E. Michael Jones' site, and he's been kicked off of, you know, YouTube, and he might have a small presence here now again, but, and Amazon, who was selling all his books, and his, uh, he, you know, he reads there too, but he has everything here at culturewars.com. You should get a and kick out of that, Dennis, because he, he goes into a bunch of Catholic stuff that you'll be familiar with that a non-Catholic probably wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, I know. The, the nuns pounded it into my head. <laughs> and your <laughs> knuckles. And your knuckles too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's probably also... You know, I, I, Roger, I, I was like an altar boy, and they, they gave you a, a certificate for that. It's called Knights of the Altar. You think I could start calling my, myself Sir Dennis? You might could. We'll call you that. <laughs> I'll refer to you as Sir Dennis from here on out. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was, we got a Don Cody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we like nicknames. I like nicknames like Trump does, you know. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I, I saw a bit, did you go look into Victor David Hansen? He came up the last time you were on. Have you looked at any of his yeah. stuff? I watched about uh twenty hours of him. He's superb. Isn't he? Okay, and he uses this example because evidently he's got a liberal daughter. Okay. And I heard he yeah. use it in a talk. <laughs> Who hates Trump, see? And she's, what is he doing calling all those people derogatory names? And Victor David Hansen was so cool about how he handled it. And he said he just calmly turned around and says, well, you mean when he calls Sleepy Joe Biden and Crooked Hillary? And he said, when you get to Crooked Hillary, you can already see a smile breaking out on her face. And he lays a couple more out, and she's laughing. Point proven, Okay. Not to uh, shift too dramatically, but for Dennis is also, he probably is already familiar, uh, Jordan Maxwell, a.k.a. Russell Pines, is also a very studied expositor of the uh, treachery of the so-called Catholica Christos Synagogue of Satan cult, uh, posed as the Catholics. And it's uh, very interesting. In fact, when you go back to Little John, a.k.a. John Little, who was likely of the tribe, it's been infiltrated and taken over for quite a long time. What are we going to do with that dog? Thanks, thanks, Chris. Uh, you know, I appreciate that. I like Jordan. You know, the one thing with Jordan is, though, he follows the advice of rabbis, and I found that annoying. So, yeah. But otherwise... <laughs> That uh, yeah, phraseology yeah. I got there, Dennis, was precisely what I read in the Treaty of Guadalupe Hildago by the plenipotentiaries of Mexico who wrote it, and their language was rather flowery and accurate in describing these uh, people who had invaded their land. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. It's a mess. It goes way back. There's a lot of real ugly history here, unfortunately. You know, back to the dog? Yes, Mr. Dog. 
dog, the dog, uh, Robert Heinlein said, the day comes when every man must shoot his own dog and don't find out to somebody else because it, it makes it worse, not better. Well, we, being dog lovers here at the Radio Ranch, we don't encourage that, but I certainly... I, 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 I continue to try and... I like dogs, too. I, I continue to try and inspire to keep Chris to have a whole pocket full of damn those dog bones. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like dogs. Don't get me wrong. I'm just trying to crack a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the dog was wanting to go outside and did go outside. Uh, something that was, I think, worthy of note on this particular platform is that the, the uh, Journal of American Medical Association, or Murder Association, JAMA, has come out and said that uh, the 25% of the police, or one in four, are disaffected with mental disorder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine why. Just because, first of all, they got to have an IQ lower than 100 and they get thrown well, into that meat grinder out there, I can't imagine. Why? Can you, Chris? Well, yeah. Also, they're hiring a lot of returning veterans that have come from war zones where we're perpetrating these wars against other countries to take them over and doing all sorts of atrocities. And those who commit atrocities will, <laughs> you know, what they say about that. But. They come back here and they're disaffected in their minds and suffer PTSD, supposedly, uh, post-traumatic uh, stress syndrome. And there are effects that are very similar to that, but we know that the pseudoscience of psychology and psychiatry is nothing but witch doctrine in essence. And all of the terms there are vague and ambiguous, arbitrary, capricious, and particularly predatorily malleable. Well, let's go back to one of the roots of something you said in there. The roots are Voltaire. And Voltaire said those who can get you to believe absurdities can get you to commit atrocities. Thank you. Yeah. One more website, jinsa.org, J-I-N-S-A.org. That's where they send the higher-ups of the police to, treat us, to, to learn to treat us like Palestinians. No, they treat you. They send you in groups over there to Israel for your training, like they've done with Oakland yeah, and probably a, some of the other doing ones. It with That's the military. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, military. Well, no, look, we're up. Well, hell, the son of a bitch is control the country. Of course, we're involved with them up to that level. Our, our, our Milwaukee police have gone over there to Israel. Are they shot them over there too? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, boy. Seminars in this country too. Oh, oy vey! What's a goy to do? <laughs> a goy, no. Well, I'll tell you what a goy is going to do. A goy is going to learn what you've done and how you've done it, and he's going to weaponize a piece of paper and shove it up your barracks bag. You lying, thieving, murdering, usurious, slavery bastards. <laughs> you want to beat these son of a bitches and their father is the devil. So I'm using that term correctly. You file an affidavit showing them, you know what their game is. That's how you beat them. We beat them one, like you eat an <laughs> elephant one bite at a time. Well, you know what? They're saving me time and money here. I'm going to the Amish and just the little close ho hardware store and, Masks aren't even in the discussion at all. Good deal. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so well, uh, we kicked a bunch <laughs> bye of bye. kicked a bunch of sleeping dogs today. I hope you guys got something out of it, and a couple of them yelped. I heard them. 
Um, I have a few questions that I haven't been able to get in word in edgewise. Well, I'm sorry. No we have dogs on this end. Elizabeth, you hurry up and give us that question. We don't have much time. Well, see, right well, there. I'm trying to file my first passport uh, application, and somebody at one time told me, do not list your parents as U.S. citizens. No, it doesn't matter. Somebody. Doesn't matter. That's okay. falsehood. Okay. And if then... You- you had said something, I believe it was yesterday, or on one of your other, I've been listening to so much of you, about referring on the passport to the affidavit. Yes, well, I'm, I'll tell you what, I, because tomorrow's Brent, and we're about to exit the show, I'm going to cover this with you after we're off the server in just about 30 seconds, okay? So stick Pretty around. Nice. I, and that's why I ask, does anybody have any questions? You know, I try and stop the program and the discussion to ask those questions for this exact reason right here. Okay. So uh, let this finish up, and we'll uh, deal with it, Elizabeth. And Brent's tomorrow. So uh, he'll. I try and turn the stage over to Brent, and he helps us connect a lot of the spiritual dots and reaffirm them for some and introduce them to others. And... Uh, Love it when Brent's on. He's what a what a honor I am to have him on every Friday here for so long, so consistently. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Brent for those that are listening still, and be off the server for Elizabeth and group here on Jitsi, and about two shakes of a lamb's tail. All right. <laughs> My will swallow.